Hello, and thank you for listening to Living Wealthy Radio, heard around the web on livingwealthyradio.com, iTunes, and Blog Talk Radio. I am Teresa Kuhn, helping you live wealthier. Resources are available for you at livingwealthyradio.com. Are you tired of never getting ahead or not being able to achieve your goals? Do you sometimes feel like you don't have much control over the direction of your life? Wouldn't it be nice if you could do whatever you could dream up? What does it take to regain control of your destiny and soar? Well, perhaps the answer to these questions is simple, but just out of our reach. Well, our guest today, Lauren Sicken, is a success life coach and the author of Bank Rolling Your Mind, an insightful book about using clarity, focus, and mastery to achieve the very best results in all areas of life. Welcome to the show, Lauren. Well, thank you, and thank you for having me, Teresa. Oh, my absolute pleasure. So we live in a, in a time where there are just a ton of life coaches, right? A whole segment of professionals that really wasn't there 20 years ago. Um, What makes your journey and your approach to life coaching so unique? And maybe first you should describe um, what life coaching is about. Well, first of all, I have to agree with you. And so I don't even really know what a life coach is anymore. It seems like they run the gamut from somebody who just has experience uh, to somebody who actually has some kind of training. Uh, So I would say that I am probably more of a perspective and success action coach than a life coach. And what I mean by that is that uh, every week I see people who they're not living the life or they're not having the career that represents who they really feel that they are, and it's become a pain point for them. And other than just being a pain point, the fallout is when it finally comes to their awareness, they look up and all they see is this big, giant mountain of obstacles in front of them, and they don't have the tools or the resources to reach the summit. So they never can really see what's on the other side. And so that's where I come in. And fortunately, my own path in life has gifted me thousands of hours of different perspectives, uh, as well as techniques and resources that I use to give my clients so that they can move beyond that pain point using those solutions that we come up with and constantly nudging them back on the right track or even showing them or teaching them how to acquire new skills and new solutions that will allow them to reach the summit so that it's not just a mountain of obstacles in front of them. So in sessions with me, um, I take people from the role of being the puppet to the role of being the puppeteer so that they can create that next act in their life um, using their mind and using their own hands rather than always being at odds or being at the mercy of what they consider the economy or the world around them. Um, I think one of the nice things about what I do that's a little bit unique is we don't spend very much time at all on the story or the past. Um, I believe that the content of content is meaningless. Uh, What we do is we spend the time overcoming barriers and overcoming obstacles from the past and the future that we start creating for ourselves so that we can craft that new story that leaves um, limitless opportunities. So you said so much there, right, that we could dig into. Um, 
talk a little bit about the concept of puppet versus puppeteer and also the concept of story, because that's one of my favorite concepts, the whole concept of story. Okay. Um, I know that, especially in, in your line of work, um, you, you meet people and you realize that, you know what, it's not what they have to offer me. It's not the tool. It's not the shiny thing in the box that really means anything. It's their story. And I think on a human connection level, the story is incredibly important. But I also believe that if you're trying to work through obstacles or work through barriers, the story can trap us. And that story becomes who we believe that we are as individuals. And if we believe that story long enough, if we believe it heavily enough, we can never break out of it. We say, no, this is my story. This is who I have to be forever. And so I'd like to break free from that story so that people can give themselves the freedom and, and, and eventually give themselves permission to create a new story. And that story is not going to be based on obstacles or barriers that they place in front of themselves, uh, getting rid of uh, self-worth issues that happened in the past that have no bearing on now or bearing for the future. You know, the whole concept of story uh, is, you know, we make up stuff about ourselves, right, based on our experiences. And mm -hmm. I often think, you know, and, and suggest to people, hey, if you're going to have a story about yourself, you might as well make it a really empowering story. Like, why <laughs> do you want to carry around a story that's really disempowering or really negative and that limits you? If you're going to make up stuff about yourself, make up something great and something that can <laughs> elevate you, right? Oh, 100%. You know, and I think that, unfortunately, in, in Western society, we have not really been taught to shout our accolades. And sometimes we see the people that do that in such an inauthentic or incongruent way, and so it, it gives us a feeling that we shouldn't do that, that we should go calmly into the night, you know, and uh, convincing people to raise a ruckus, like, and like you said, you know, create a great story. You know, I want to be the hero of my life. You know, I don't want to be some, you know, the guy in the red shirt on Star Trek who dies when he goes to the planet. You know, so I agree with you. I think we should create a story that pits us as the hero so that we can enact change and we can enact change in our own lives as well as the lives of people around us. You know, you can play the victim or you can play, you know, the, um, the one responsible for outcomes. And um, I'm thinking of a word that's the opposite of victim, right? But, or the victor, right? You play the <laughs> right. victim um, or the victor, and, um, you know, you can make up that story um, either way you want it. I've got a, a group of girlfriends that um, we give permission to each other. In fact, we encourage bragging. Uh, you know, there are people who, and I was just with um, – with a, a group of ladies who are like, um, oh, my gosh, I love being around you guys because, you know, all the women I'm with, they're always competing um, as to who has the worst life, right? And <laughs> we're the exact opposite. We're like, you are encouraged to brag, and we don't even call it bragging. We just want to know what awesome, wonderful things are going on, right? And that, I guess, could be considered brags, but um, that's the focus. Like, what amazing thing has happened to you today? Uh, and focus on that stuff. 
Um, oh, definitely. Definitely. And that's, you know, and for me, that's, I'd say less bragging and more perspective, you know, because even in a, in a challenging life, if you can step back far enough, you can see a perspective that you can turn into something incredibly activating or incredibly encouraging or something that causes you to kind of reach deep down and that will drive your character. And then that will show you how much you can become. So I love that the perspective that we create is that which people are attracted to around us. So that group of ladies, probably they look forward to all of those connections because they leave better just because of those connections. And when they leave better because of those connections, they have a better and more positive impact on everybody that they touch thereafter. Oh, absolutely. Um, Cause we're, we're energized, right? Um, and that whole perspective thing. So I want to make sure I understand this. So you're talking about like framing, like, um, um taking a situation and just looking at it from like a positive perspective or what are you referring to there? I think a little bit of both. I like to use the example of if you ask a fish to describe water besides looking at you crazy, he's not going to understand because he is so in it. But until we're able to step back from a situation, we don't see the possibilities or the opportunities that are there for us. So reframing in a positive sense, yes, of course, if you have a situation that you can reframe, it opens up opportunities in your mind. But if you can also take that second or that third person perspective on what's going on, you'll see things that you could never see as long as you stayed in the role of first person, as long as you Mm. stayed in the role of I. And I think when people stay in the role of I, there's more chance of that victim showing up rather than the victor. So approaching it from the observer perspective, perhaps? Yes, 100%. Okay, got it. Very good. (laughs) So it's about training yourself to be in observer mode as much as possible, especially when the stakes are high and when it's not easy to be, which is when we're triggered emotionally. Exactly. So what's a strategy that you could teach us um, to get into observer mode? Well, a really, really good thing to do that I find helps me as well as my clients is simply that. If, um, I call it a reflection. So what I do and what I have folks do is I say, you know, before you go to bed, I want you to reflect on the day or reflect on the week. And if you have somebody that caused you an annoyance or even on the opposite, if you had somebody that caused you great pleasure or Uh, excitation of some sort, really look at what that is and what it is saying about you. So in the example of somebody who is annoying you, maybe you have a coworker or a boss and you don't see eye to eye on something. Well, you already know what your first person perspective of that is. So go ahead and walk through that in your mind. Or I say at the beginning, say it out loud. Like you're actually having the conversation with that person sitting across from you. Let them know what's annoying you. Then get up and go sit where that person was sitting and look at everything from a second person perspective. And you speak as if you are them explaining the annoyance or explaining their perspective. Then when you feel that you have reached the end of that, you get up and you walk to a place where you can see both of you 
sitting and having that conversation. And you give your perspective from that third-person observer point of view about what's going on. Once you run through that, then go back and sit in your original first-person chair and see if you've learned something different. I love it. And that's so simple. Oh, very. And, right? you know, the nice thing is after you do it enough times out loud, because it, it, the way our brain works is when we're thinking in our mind, everything is perfect. But the moment you yeah. have to say it or the moment you have to write it down, it all falls apart. I mean, you could ask any 14-year-old boy who is talking to somebody he likes for the first time. Hmm. Huh. So tell us a little bit about the message of uh, your new book, Bankrolling Your Mind. Well, Bankrolling Your Mind, like I said, is a collaboration between me and Rich Perry. And the main message is that ultimately, like we were talking, you are in control of your life. You're also in control of your attitude, your mindset, your thoughts, your habits, your behaviors, and ultimately your own success. So what we do in the book is help you reawaken that part of you that you've forgotten about so that you can create that life of purpose or success either in your career or in your personal life to give you uh, prosperity and joyful abundance. And we put you through a process of clarity, actually finding what it is that you want, um, getting deeper into what your value system says about what you want. Then we look at focus because without focus, um, nothing really happens. I mean, you can look at uh, all, the, all the research on multitasking and scientists say, well, it just doesn't happen. Your brain turns on, turns off, turns on, turns off. And what we think is accomplishing more is actually taking us longer and we're not retaining as much. So we walk you through what focus really means and how to gather focus and turn that into something that's profitable for your own mind. And then mastery is all about practice. Uh, it's more than 10,000 hours of doing something. It's mastery with purpose and it's mastery creating action for action rather than looking out towards the outcome and only focusing on that. And so we use that three-pillar approach to give people a nice solid grasp on the tools that they need to just create success in their life, whether it be personal success or success within their career. Love it. Oh, my gosh. That's so cool. You said so many cool things. I've never heard the um, concept of gathering focus, right, that term, but that makes mm -hmm. so much sense. As far as clarity is concerned, what's one thing that people can do to get clarity over what they want in life? Well, I would say the first step would be to write down what it is that you want. And uh, I think something magical happens when you actually write something down. It uh, creates, again, like I was talking earlier, perspective. And so within that, then you can become more specific about what it is that you actually want. Um, when we look at our wants, it makes us challenge what our values and our belief systems are about those wants. So I have people that come to me and I'm like, well, why are we here? You know, what do you want to work on? And they say, well, I want to be happy or I want to be more happy. And I say, well, what is happy to you? And they're like, I don't know. I just want to be happy. Well, you can't get somewhere if your goal is that vague. 
And so we break it down and we make it very specific. So when somebody has an idea of what they want, whether it be a new career or a new job or a new venture, uh, whatever it is, the more specific you can get, the more clear you will become about what you need to do to get there. Then you can focus on just the action plan rather than the outcome. Because if we just focus on happy all the time, sometimes you have to do a lot of really work that you don't want to do that might not be considered happy on the way to happy. So if you can get specific, it gives you that outline of what I need to actually do, and then you just focus on what you do. And don't worry about the outcome. The outcome will come if you do the work. But if you're always focusing on the outcome of this vague notion of happy, you're not going to get there. You often think of the concept of the integral you, which is, um, you say it's made up of four components. What do you mean about the integral you? Well, and this is something that, uh, this is an extra add to the book uh, that's solely mine, uh, not riches, but my part of it. And the integral you, I've taken a lot from the works of Ken Wilbur at the Integral Institute in Colorado. Um, he has looked at all of the, all the old traditions, the ancient traditions, uh, post-modernity, and all of the psychology and sociology and philosophies of what it means to be us. And by us, I mean what it means to be Lawrence, what it means to be Teresa. So basically, I look at four aspects. So you, as in Teresa, or me, as in Lawrence, I'm more than just my physical body. I am also my mind. I am also my spirit. And I'm also my shadow. So when I say we are our body, most people understand the basic premise of that. They understand that I am who I am physically. And they understand that they can exercise and feed that physical part of them. So if you're looking at your body, you know that you can eat right, you can eat healthy, you can exercise. But there's also other facets of your body. There's also your subtle body. So your body has different energy levels. Your subtle body would be that body that you see when you sleep, when you dream. And when you dream, you can see yourself and you can see the room you're in or the place that you're at. And it is just as real as your physical body, yet it's so subtle that you can't touch it. But it can also be fed and it can also be exercised. And then you have your what's called causal body, where after dream sleep, you go into this dreamless void, or the Tibetans would call it the very, very subtle body, where restoration happens, where recovery happens, where the ancient traditions would say there is nothing, but out of that nothing comes everything. So that is all encompassed in your body. Then the next part that's in the integral us would be our mind. So that's our thoughts, our frame of reference, what our worldview is, um, the things we learn and study, the things we teach, our values, our thoughts, our behaviors. So our mind is the creation of that map that we create of the, our own territory. And it can be exercised and it can be fed as well. And then third, we have our spirit. And as you know, in today's climate, or I'm sorry, in today's climate, there are so many different views on what spirituality is and what religion is and what being spiritual is. 
So that spiritual part of us, that spirit is what connects us to whatever we as individuals define as that source. And so that source could be God, it could be Allah, it could be Jehovah, it could be the universe, it could be the Tao, whatever it is, doesn't necessarily matter, but what matters is how we connect to it. And we can also connect to it in a variety of states of consciousness. So we can connect to that source while we're awake. We could connect to it while we're dreaming. We can connect to it during an altered state or a peak experience. Um, so understanding some of that, many people have found ways to exercise that and to feed that as well through contemplative prayer, through meditation, through reading more spiritual um, manuscripts or even poetry can get you into that state of consciousness. And then the fourth would be our shadow. And that shadow is the thing that throughout history I think has been most misunderstood. I think Carl Jung, when he described the shadow, he described it as that deep part of our unconscious or our subconscious mind where it resides that perception versus projection viewpoint. So he described shadow as those things inside of us that we can't see outside of us. So if you look at somebody and say, wow, they are so brave, I could never be that way. Well, that's your shadow operating. Or if I look at someone and say, man, they are just a mess and, I'm, and you just don't like them. You're also seeing a part of you that you don't like, that you're repressing or keeping deep in the basement of your subconscious. So mm. the shadow, I think, is something that can also be exercised and can also be fed so that it doesn't have to be, I like to joke and say, exercise your shadow so it doesn't be exorcised because people think of it as being such a dark thing all the time when it isn't quite necessarily that. So all of those things together... I believe make up who we are as an individual and the more that we can feed and exercise all four of those things, the more that we can develop mentally raise to the next level in who we are. Does that make any sense at all? <laughs> Absolutely. No, that was a great, great summary. I can't wait to read your book. And so this is, you've added this discussion in your book. Yes. Oh, awesome. That's, that's awesome. So you've mentioned a few steps or a few action items that our listeners can take um, with some specific um, uh, things that we've talked about. Overall, um, if people say, okay, you know what, this sounds fascinating. I do want to improve my life. I'm not where I want to be. Um, and I think that's true for everybody, right? There could be, right. They could be, you know, just totally – doing awesome in a certain area, but they're not in another area. So overall, right. like where would somebody start besides getting your book when it comes out? <laughs> of course. Well, I think, and like what, what I like to do is I like to work on my body, my mind, my spirit, my shadow, at least a little bit every week. So for as far as action items, if you're going to work on your body, I think that's the thing that we most know. Um, the gross way to work on your body, and by gross I mean just the physical you, is be healthy. You know, kind of look at what you eat, um, weights or cardio. 
uh, that will have all of that covered for your physical body. For your subtle body, I like to do a little bit of Qigong every week. Um, I also have been doing yoga. My wife's been dragging me to yoga, and I hate it and love it at the same time. And also Tai Chi will help with your subtle body. And then for my mind, uh, what people could do is just read, just study, uh, have discussions with people, debate people, uh, write down your thoughts, develop your own framework of what your values are, uh, journal. Those are all great ways of uh, kind of focusing and finding clarity with the way you think about things. So your mind is all about how you think, how you envelop new perspectives. Uh, for your spirit, uh, I meditate every day. I think that the biggest thing anyone can do to increase just the wonderful nature of being alive is to meditate at least 10 minutes a day. Um, I know everyone's busy. 10 minutes is not a very long time. Um, meditation, I think, gives you the opportunity to grow vertically in both your cognition and your awareness. So meditation, I think, is a great way for your spirit. Uh, prayer is awesome. Um, forms of worship that allow contemplation are all ways to work your spirit. And it doesn't have to be done every single day, but it needs to be done consistently. So, you know, if you haven't meditated for six months, but then you do a, a weekend retreat and all you do is meditate all week, you're not going to get as much benefit as if you just meditated for 10 minutes every day or every other day. So I really encourage meditation. And then for shadow work, um, there's tons of things you can do. You can journal. You can do dream work. You can do art or music or dance therapy. Uh, of course, if you have enough money, you can do psychotherapy, <laughs> and that'll help you get in touch with your shadow. But just remember, your shadow isn't necessarily a negative thing. It's about combining the energies of your lower self and your higher self so that you understand it more. So again, with the shadow, there are a variety of ways that you can exercise and feed it as well. Dream work is wonderful. Journaling is wonderful. Uh, any type of art, music, or dance therapy. Um, if you have enough money, psychotherapy works. Um, I like to do something called morning pages, which um, it just takes probably, I guess for me now, it takes about two and a half minutes. Uh, when I started, it took about 15, but I get up in the morning, and after I do my regular stuff, I sit down with three empty pages, and I just write whatever comes to mind. And sometimes it's a to-do list. Sometimes it's me moaning and being upset about things in my life. But as I go on through the week, it becomes something a little bit deeper, and it helps bring some of those thoughts that, stay buried in your mind, it helps get them out and lets them go on their way. And at the end of three pages, I just ball it up into a ball and I throw it away and I move on with my day. And that's something that I learned from a book called The Artist's Way, which is wonderful if anybody wants to pick that up. And it's called Morning Pages. So there you have it. Those are a couple different action items you can do for your body, your mind, your spirit, and your shadow. Love it. Absolutely love it. Okay. Well, unfortunately, we are running out of time, Lawrence, but um, your book is um, absolutely at the top of my list to read. I'm so excited for you. This is going to be, I think, a game changer for so many people. 
and would love to have you back on the show anytime you've got the time. So, um, you know, success does start in the mind. It all starts with mindset, right? If we want to be in charge of our circumstances, we have to first start by taking charge of ourselves. Living wealthy is not about our circumstances, right? It's about our attitude and our focus, our state of mind. And when we understand this, powerful opportunities just show up. What's that old saying about um, luck? It's, you know, persistence and hard work. Um, after persistence and hard work, you know, luck shows up. So I, think I, I think it was even, uh, who was it, Arnold Palmer said that he works so hard that he becomes lucky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Isn't that true? So thank you again so much for joining us on Living Wealthy Radio. And your website uh, is vortexmastermind.com. And we will, of course, upload the show to our Living Wealthy Radio website with a link to your website um, so people can find you if they forget, vortexmastermind.com. Well, thank you so much, Teresa. I've had a wonderful time, and it's always just such a joy to speak with you. Thank you, and you as well. You've been listening to Living Wealthy Radio, heard around the web on livingwealthyradio.com, iTunes, and Blog Talk Radio. Download or subscribe to our podcast to hear a new show every week. I am Teresa Kuhn, and I hope you'll join me again next week as I show you ways to live wealthier. Resources are available for you on our website at livingwealthyradio.com.